all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, an associate professor of preventive medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. Good morning and thanks for listening and being with us. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. I'm Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And I'm a developmental and behavioral pediatrician. And, and so I'm talking about something today that, that I, I want everyone who is listening to understand why this topic is so important. We're talking about the fact that most of us are what we were given early in life. And I'm not talking about genetics. What I'm talking about is, I'm not talking about money either, by the way. I'm talking about unconditional love and attention. Having someone during those early years of life letting you know in both verbal, in the words, but also those nonverbal ways, the way they look, the way they hug, the way they support those nonverbal ways that they care and love you and accept you. That unconditional love is something I want to talk about as we move through the show. And I want to hear from you and your experiences. Now, I, I want to just say that it may be difficult to understand why this is so very important. But the truth is, is your early childhood sets a stage, not just for what you do as an adult or who you are as an adult, but it actually affects your health, your mental health and your physical health, both. The first five years of your life may set the stage for you having high blood pressure or heart disease or stroke or diabetes. All those things we're struggling with in Mississippi tells me that way too many of us, way too many individuals in our state and in our surrounding states don't don't start their life with the kind of love and support that they need. Now, this is not to say that it's all on the parents, because it's not. Um, and if you think about it, um, it really is up to that village, like we've talked about over and over again, how important it is to have support structures. Sometimes there are individuals who have children who, who truly, if you, if you are honest about it, didn't have the stage set right for them. So then what happens to them? So 
Please join the conversation as a thought comes to you or a situation comes to you. I want to hear from you. I always say our callers make the show. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. Okay, let me just make a few other points. I know you've heard this if you listen to the show or if you listen to our podcast, which I hope you do if you don't have time to listen to the show in its entirety. Um, I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again because it's so important. By age four, a child's brain is almost the size of an adult, okay, both men and women. And in those first few years of life, you have these incredible number of brain connections happening and pathways setting dance, being set down. And we know that talking and reading and singing um, to a young child, even at birth, can help lay those hard pathways down in an individual's brain that can be stronger pathways for the future, okay? So I suspect that, that some of you listeners had parents who, who worked so hard that they came home exhausted and they didn't have it in them to read or interact. I do know that some of you out there and I can talk about numbers later, but we won't right now. But I do know something for you. I may have had a parent who was depressed or had another issue with their, their mental behavioral health and didn't have the mental energy to interact with you. Some parents were struggling with substance use and abuse. And as you all know, that can take priority over maybe all those other important things like children who are living in the home and relying on you for support and love. But maybe you had someone else there. So I know some of you may be thinking, well, you know, I didn't have the best home, but I, I turned out okay, and I'm pretty healthy. And that can happen. It can. But you have to have support structure outside the home for that really to happen in a good way, unless there's something incredibly amazing going on around you. Um, We all need love and support from the very beginning. Now, like I said, you know, we did this show, something similar back in February of 2022. And, and I'll bring it up every year that I'm here because it is so important. So I just, I said this last time, I just want to remind everybody that, that certainly a child's behavior can affect a parent's well-being. And, you know, on a survey that was done in early 22, it was noted that over 50% of parents said their children were having increased mental behavioral health issues, and that was affecting them at work. So we know that. That can happen. But keep in mind the reverse is, is certainly true. A parent's mental and physical health and behavior can affect a child. And for children, the issues, if not addressed, can become long-term issues that can affect us long-term. So some of you out there who are struggling 
with, for example, autoimmune disease. Did you, did you have a very stable, loving, nurturing home where there weren't a lot of stressors? Maybe you did. Maybe it was something genetic that was turned on. But it may be that some of that was exacerbated by some of the difficulties that maybe weren't as obvious to you uh, as a child. You know, maybe it seemed like the norm. And certainly there are cultural um, differences um, that are out there. And, and the amount of hugs and kisses and loves and, and positive um, accolades that come in a family differ. Um, in cultures, we know that. In some cultures, um, children are encouraged to be silent at home and speak only when they're spoken to. Um, and, and you know, depending on where you are and where you live and where you grow up, um, it that can be okay. But if a child is supposed to not speak until they're spoken to, and if they're not spoken to um, on a regular basis and allowed to express themselves and allowed to learn to interact with an adult, what do you think that does ultimately in their ability to interface with other individuals? It seems like it's not very helpful. Okay, before we go to our first break, I want to tell you a little bit, just remind you about a study that I've talked about several times on this show, and that's the Adverse Childhood Events um, study that was done back in the 1990s by Kaiser Permanetti, a big health system in, in California. No, we're not from California, but I want you to listen to this because this is really important. What they did in that study is they looked at over 17,000 individuals. The study lasted for 10 years or a little more than 10 years, and they evaluated the long-term effects of what happened to those 17,000 individuals Um, in their childhood, how it affected them in their adulthood. Um, 80% were white, 10% black, 10% Asian, and it was half and half men and women. But the majority of them attended college. So these weren't uneducated people. These weren't people who didn't have the opportunity to go to college. Okay, I just want you to understand we weren't looking at just people who were living in poverty now. But what they found is when they looked at what happened to kids, the adverse events like abuse, neglect, household dysfunction, parental negative health issues, um, death of a family member, a close family member and the like. The greater number of those adverse events, the more damaging it was to the ultimate outcome of the individuals, those 17,000 individuals um, who were working, 
Okay. And what they meant by that when they were looking at the more adverse outcome, higher number of people who had mental and behavioral health issues of their own substance abuse and use, they were also more likely to have stroke, cardiac disease, high blood pressure, um, autoimmune disease, those other things, obesity, those other things that many times we struggle with as an adult and don't quite understand where they came from if perhaps it didn't seem to be overlaid with really heavy genetics. Now, yes, genetics plays a part. It does. No doubt about it. But as we've talked about before, it's not at the be-all, end-all, okay? There are ways we can make changes. So, okay, I want to go to our first break. But listeners, I want you to give a call and and talk to us about your thoughts about what I'm talking about. Um, do you Do you think that perhaps... The way you've ended up had something to do with the way you were raised. Now, that sounds like a dumb question, but sometimes I think we forget that perhaps it's real. So I'd love to hear some real-life experiences. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. We'll we'll talk a, a little bit more about um, the ways a toxic childhood can affect you and what we can do as we move to the end of the show about that. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and this is Relatively Speaking. I'm here today talking to you about actually something positive, though it sounds negative to start, okay? The positive is that we can set the stage for a healthy, happy, well-adjusted population in our state, in our surrounding states. But what we're talking about is the harmful issues that can happen during childhood and why early childhood is so very important. And not just those of us who are parents or grandparents should be paying attention, but every single citizen who cares about their state needs to have their ears perked up right now and listen about why it's important to make sure that the world around young children is a good one and a loving one and a nurturing one and a supporting one. Okay, we're going to go to our first caller, Jerry in Bay Springs. I want to hear what Jerry has to say about this. Good morning. Love your show. Good morning. Thank you. I'm a firm believer in your subject today. Uh, I like to say I'm an only child. If you don't believe me, you can ask my sisters and brother. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're going to have to explain that in a minute, but keep going. I imagine. The, the, the next one to come along after me, uh, I was nine years old. Oh, wow. So you were. Mm. I had firmly, I was firmly entrenched in the only child um, mode of life, and and going all the way to nine years, it's resulted in me being uh, independent. Uh, I don't get bored. I always find something to entertain myself. Uh, used to play by myself a lot and build model airplanes and so forth. And today, 
I, I'm not I'm not all that uh, loving or uh, touchy feely, and some people don't understand that. But it's just that I was alone most of my life and took care of what I needed uh, from childhood. Mm. Um, and and we have reasons and we have excuses, right? Right. So I have a friend who who wants to say that your childhood had nothing to do with who you are now. That uh, you can overcome anything, just like uh, the rare example of um, like Richard Pryor. He overcame a terrible, terrible childhood and became a very successful comedian. But mm-hmm. he still carried those same problems with him uh, mm-hmm. uh, right up to the day he died. And uh, I just wanted you to comment on that as far as uh, uh, yeah, like. Like this friend says that people should be able to break out of the cycle of poverty or drug abuse or alcoholism because it's up to them. They can't blame their parents. And I'd just like you to make a comment or two on that. Wow, Jerry, thank you so much because you know what I'm going to say. And you know that, as I said at the very beginning, that, yes, some people do end up successful and great, like Richard Pryor. But but let me just, he's a great example. I saw my producer, Jay White, nodding his head. Um, right, Jay? Um, Richard Pryor was very successful and ended up with a lot of money. But what else happened to Richard Pryor, right? Absolutely. He was very sick for a time. He was uh, much maligned in his industry. He uh, had so he had he had lots of ups and downs. He had drug issues, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, substance abuse. Um, there are a lot of people who grow up to be very successful, who are able to break out of the poverty end of it. But so many times, a lot of the mental emotional gets buried. The issues that they had to deal with when they were young. Maybe it was that. There was not even, think about it, unconditional love. Do you know what that means? Unconditional love means that you are loved and nurtured and cared for whether or not you're the smartest or the prettiest or the most successful or the one who won the spelling bee. It didn't matter. You were loved anyway. And so many times individuals who who grow up in a, a difficult environment spend a lot of time proving that they are okay, proving that that they are worthwhile to themselves. And we'll talk about how you can break out of that. But, um, Jerry, it sounds like you perhaps did not agree with your friend. Is that right? No, I didn't. (laughs) Not hardly. Okay. Um, Jerry, I will ask you to do something because I'm going to continue as we move through the show. and, And hopefully we'll have other callers who can help. Help me make my point because I have a lot of good points to make. But maybe you can share with your friend the podcast of this show later on so he can maybe listen to some of the data. It's hard data. It is out there and it's really hard to look at. Just Google if or, or whatever your search engine is. Go out there and and 
just look at adverse childhood experiences, what they are, and, and, and or what is a toxic childhood, and then look at what the outcomes are. Because we, I could spend three hours on this today, obviously. I don't have that time. But, but we really need to make sure that everybody listening understands that telling people that they just need to pull themselves up out of the poverty or pull themselves up out of the history of abuse or neglect and just deal with it is is wrong. It's wrong. It's not fair. It's uncaring and it's selfish um, for people to continue to say that. And I know that sounds I'm mean, pretty, but there I I'm am. Pretty much, <laughs> I pretty much told her that. <laughs> well, thank you, Jerry. You just keep Keep preaching that and keep pushing that. And and you brought up a reminder. Um, I love the topic of birth order and only children, and we'll have to bring that one back up. That's a good one because I do. Yeah, I, like that. Yeah, I do think that that your point of being uh, that age gap does make you. Um, behave more like an only child and and I have one of those at the end of my family my youngest son and and he is very independent and self-sufficient and I don't think he ever gets bored <laughs> because he does things to self-entertain so okay. all right Jerry thanks so much for that call um I'd love to hear from others uh, because, and I really do appreciate people like Jerry who are trying to remind people that we it is our responsibility to be out there and watch what's going on and and to help others because um, there are ways to pull people out to help them, and it's not about throwing money at it. I know so many times. People think that when we talk about helping people out, we're thinking just give them extra money. Um, that's not it. Now, money can help, obviously, but but it's not it's not going to be the be all end all. And we'll talk about other things that can be done as we move forward. We're talking about toxic childhood and what that can do to you and how you can get out of it, but how we can help others get out of it. So let me just talk a little bit more about uh, toxic childhood and, and kind of what that entails. So it doesn't have to be outright abuse. Um, it can mean that your emotional needs weren't met by your caretakers. It can mean that your parents were over-controlling or they weren't there at all. Or if they were sitting in the household, again, like I said, they didn't interact with you. They, they wanted you to be alone and do your own thing. Now, another area that can be problematic, believe it or not, is that overprotective um, parent, uh, the one who never allows you to experience anything because they're afraid you might be hurt. That can cause negative experiences. 
um, obviously physical abuse, verbal abuse, emotional, sexual abuse, those are horribly damaging. And, and it really is important for individuals to have that picked up on very, very early. And if it's not and there is an adult, they need help with that as they're moving, moving through life. And then another one that's kind of a vicarious type injury is experiencing or witnessing traumatic events that then you weren't helped to work through. It might be experiencing watching a parent die, or it might uh, be experiencing a a fire in your household where you lost everything. So there are several things. Um, The lack of support, validation, or acceptance um, that can be out there. All right. I'm going to go back to the phones and go to Dan in Meridian. Hi, Dan. Thanks for calling. Yes. uh, Thank you for taking my call. Certainly. Uh, I don't want to go ahead. Perhaps you'll probably address this uh, later on in the program. But certainly I agree with the, the ideas that you share that, yes, uh, certainly our, our childhood, uh, especially if it was very negative and, and traumatic even, will certainly dictate the course of the person's uh, life, especially as they, as they grow. But, but in my experience, and, and not to get into details, that if, if an individual truly wants to live a productive uh, quality, character-filled life, uh, there does come a point in time when they need to make some hard, difficult choices. Now, I'm not saying that, again, I mean, I'm not, I don't live in another person's shoes or what their uh, past was. But it seems to me that if an individual truly wants to get out of this uh, situation that they were brought in um, without their choice, in the end, they have to really, uh, number one, be honest and, and recognize and, and, and uh, point out even, and even perhaps get help, you know, psychology or medication or what, what, what not. Mm-hmm. But in the end, the path to, I wouldn't even say happiness, but I would say that it, it's more if you want to live a, a productive, content, uh, a life filled with your own self-dignity, uh, honor, um, you have to go walk that path of difficult choices. And, and, and I'm, I'm not putting a little Pollyanna thing that's going to be easy. It's probably more difficult for those individuals who have suffered. Mm-hmm. But, but I disagree with, with some of this concept of, you know, just, you know, just catering to the fact that, oh, I'll, oh hum, I'm like this and I'm, I'm, I'm doomed to be the type of person that I am because of what happened in, in childhood. Um, I, you know, I, I just feel that a person's choice, and, and that word choice is kind of thrown out there kind of fundamentally without magnitude, but I feel that if you make the proper choices, either in, in trying to improve yourself, challenging yourself, personal growth, that it can happen, and it should happen. Mm-hmm. And I'll leave it at that. Okay, Dan, I'm going to agree with you there um, oh. in that you're, you're right. Um, we, we really do, we really are able to 
sometimes with help, like you said, be able to dig out of some of that negative. And and it sometimes does take fortitude. I 100% agree with you that it is a matter of choices, and we are going to talk about that in the next half of this show because it is important to know that it's not hopeless. Just because you had a terrible childhood doesn't mean you have to have a terrible adulthood. I agree with that. Just to add to that, I've had people, and I'm sure most of the people that listen to this program, they know that as well. There are a lot of people... Most of us have had traumatic incidents in our lives, and mm-hmm. some more than others. And they just kind of—I don't want to say—this is a poor choice of words. They almost revel or, or use it as an excuse not to be productive people. Mm-hmm. You know, they ask themselves, why, "Why am I like Dad? Or why am I like Mom? Or why am I behaving this way?" Those are pertinent questions. But the more important question is, well, okay, even if you're like your dad with some of the qualities that you don't particularly like the question you should ask yourself is where do i go from here how can i change right what sort of life do you want and those are tough questions with tough answers and 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 again i'm not trying to say oh it's easy but trust me it's it can be done it's possible Thank you, Dan, so much. Um, and and I, I think you're setting the stage. I'd love to hear from other people about that very thing, because you're right. Many of us have had traumatic events. I mean, you can't stop the death of a parent. That's a terribly, or the death of a sibling, terribly, terribly traumatic event. Um, but you can overcome it. And so it's important to learn that you there are things that you can do um, instead of, as Dan put it, reveling. I think probably a lot of people don't revel in it. They 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 sit in the ditch and and um, don't know how to put that leg up to step out. Um, and so I think many times individuals do need help. It depends on the resilience that is sort of inbred also. And we've talked about resilience on this show before. So those people who are more resilient are more likely to come out of it in a in a better manner. I think my point is, is that if you don't experience those in the beginning, um, or if you do and people recognize those are traumatic events and really help individuals when they're young, adjust and get out of it, then they're going to do a lot better and have a lot fewer negative health outcomes as their adults. Like I said, in that Kaiser Permanente study, um, the the majority of those individuals were working middle class individuals who seemed to have pretty good lives, but they had health problems and other issues. So, um, yes, I promise you at the end of the show, I'm going to talk about the things that we can encourage others to do or we can do ourselves as we're moving along. All right. Let's stay on the phone. Um, We have Kat, who's patiently waiting in Mobile. Hi, Kat. Thanks for calling. Good morning. I just had two points. Um, The first point um, is more so to the last caller's point that Mm -hmm. it's hard to do the work. And I would say in the sense of um, navigating old ways of doing things Mm -hmm. as far as parenting, 
and then trying to incorporate new ways of doing things and I guess figuring out how to eat the meat and spit out the bones. See, take a little from both sides to, I guess, make like a, a beautiful gumbo blend of all the parenting styles. Um, so it's, I guess the way that I like to explain it to people is kind of like you're living life, and I love tennis. So I'll say I'm playing tennis, and tennis is life. But I'm playing against the ring. But I'm trying to learn the game as I'm playing against the ring. <laughs> so, so it's difficult learning, okay, do I use the old school way? Do I use some new stuff? How do I balance what's working, what's not? And so that's the imagery that um, I guess that will best describe parenting for me now. So I don't bring the old stuff to my children, figuring out how to, I guess, reprogram myself and my experiences so I don't share that with them. Wow. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. And I think that was Dan's point um, is that, yeah, we don't have to live the way we were brought up. We can make changes. And, and sometimes there was good, but those few bad things sometimes get carried forward when they shouldn't be. So to, to reprogram, there are lots of good parenting classes and advices for others so that if you know that the way you grew up perhaps um, was not exactly the best because it was damaging to the way you felt about yourself or or perhaps caused some anxiety or depression, um, you can you can make changes. And so, Kat, thank you for that. And I, I think you're pointing out exactly where we need to be going with this. Not that we can undo the past, but what we can do is is face the future forward better so that we don't have those failings or missteps that that happened to us so Kat thanks so much and I have one more point sure is that okay of course um so something that may not be talked about very often in certain communities or certain groups of people um is gender bias between parents with children like um how some mothers may raise their daughters but they'll love their sons mm. like they'll the daughters to be independent mm. but they'll coddle the sons and so I think that that's another thing that may not be talked about a lot but it does affect uh, people growing up wow wow interesting ah I think another topic for a radio show. <laughs> you guys always give me great ideas. Um, yeah, that that's a good point. Sometimes we, or the vice versa, that we teach our, our sons to be tough and um, don't allow uh, them to know that, that being nurtured. So it could be the opposite too, Kat. Okay, that's a very interesting point. Thank you. We'll we'll bring that one up as we move along um, in the in the next few shows. I think. Okay, uh, Jacqueline and Madison has been waiting for a long time. Hi, Jacqueline. Well, praise the Lord, and I'm enjoying your show. How are you? I am great. Thank you. I want to put a biblical Christian perspective on it. 
Okay. What I wanted to say is that I have learned through being uh, born, uh, my don't take this the wrong way, my granddad is white, my mom was Indian, and that coming from a parent of 14 children, where daddy died at an early age, I was in the middle of it all. But I've learned that going dealing with the alcoholism and being with the biracial families and all of that, I had to learn that you take the life that God has given you and you use the pain for your good, meaning that everyone that God put in my path, as I look back, was helping me to be able to be strong enough to say that if anybody can get through this, I would tell myself that, hey, God must really chose a, a good one to be able to stand out as far as the light, to say you can make it, because it says that he has no respect of person. And that was the strength for me. I'm not saying that everyone has, who has gone through has that perspective. I'm just sharing some light on that you matter. There was a purpose. God foreknew you before you entered into your mother's womb, and you realize if you know him, if you don't know him, just cry out for help. Believe me, God has a way of bringing people in your path, and speak out. Don't keep it to yourself. I have a saying that a man's actions determine his character, but also every home has a beautiful door, or the door that you go through. Until you enter that house to see what's going on, you don't know. But if that person allows you in, listen. We as people need to just listen when someone comes to you, or if God leads you in a certain direction out of your comfort zone, that might be the key to let them know that the pain is real, you did live through it, and God has a purpose for you. And the character I'm talking about is David. And thanks for listening to me. Well, Jacqueline, that... that those were really wonderful words. And I will say that that you're right in that many times people gain understanding and power from what happened to them. Um, but it doesn't take away the stress that you had to deal with when you were growing up. So you may be very resilient, but the stress that it puts on your cellular structure as it is growing and and developing is still there. So I agree with you. You can be resilient. You can look to your faith to help pull you out. I think all of that is is wonderful and and true and real. But but if you don't have to experience or if you have support when you're very young, it's it's really really important to get it or to to block it. Um, but again, Jacqueline, you you gave the definition of somebody being resilient, um, building on what happened to them to help learn how to pull themselves out and then how to help others. So 
I think that was a really good uh, a good way for you to view it. And and I do think people who are going through hard times right now, as we are talking, Jacqueline, if they could listen to your words and and try to put a positive spin on it, like you did, that's amazing. Um, and and that is wonderful for you to do. So I, I appreciate your call, and I, I want you to, to know that, that I, um, I think the way you're viewing it is very healthy and what we all need to do when we've been through a difficult time, and now we're adults trying to step through life and live it the best life we can. Okay. I'm going to stay on the phone because I believe we have Lauren Elliott um, in Jackson who is calling in. Hi, Lauren. Hey, Dr. Butchers. Thank you Are for you calling ready? in, Lauren. I, um, I Let me introduce Lauren just for a minute. Um, Lauren is a, a nurse practitioner who has been working on our Child Health and Development Project, our Mississippi Thrive. And um, and I actually asked her to call in because I wanted us to talk a little bit about um, what we are trying and she is trying with Dr. Ruth Patterson to, to teach um, individuals across the state about what we can do to help with um, early child development and resilience. Right, Lauren? Yes, absolutely. Um, I've really liked what Dan and Kat had to say um, earlier on the show, and I just really think that if we as adults could take the time to consider what um, skills young children might need to learn in order to have successful adulthood themselves, um, we really could change the way that the world operates. Um, if we teach our kids early on how to deal with all sorts of things, whether it's, you know, an ACEs type deal where something terrible has happened to them, or if they just have some difficulty managing their emotions. Um, if we can get in early and on that ground floor and help them build that strong foundation, um, things would start really looking a lot different across our country, I think. Yeah, I think, you know, we've looked at this from an economic standpoint, even um, in, in our work with Mississippi Thrive, knowing that individuals, if they um, have good support, and the ability to move forward early on. And if there are any developmental issues or developmental problems, if you intervene on them early, then they are more successful in school and more successful in the workforce, not just healthier and which is not adjust, but also physically healthier, mentally healthier, but also better contributors to the economy, right? Absolutely, yes. And in all of the things that interviewers are looking for these days, it's all about the soft skills. You know, it's all about the interpersonal skills and working as a team member and all those types of things. So if we could get in and, and help kids work through these really hard things that they are having to experience and go through um, in this kind of crazy life that we live, um, we really can can bolster 
a lot of um, emotions and um, help our economy across the board. Right. You know, I think in these um, these last seven or eight minutes, um, I just I wanted to reiterate a couple of things that a couple of our callers said. I believe it was Dan who talked about, um, you know, pulling yourself up and and not letting your past get to you. And and then Kat, one of our later callers, made note of the fact that she was unlearning, uh, so to speak, um, the way perhaps she was parented in some ways and and trying to readjust and reset so that there would be, she thought, uh, a more positive parenting way. And Lauren, you mentioned um, resources to help learn that and there are resources out there right for for parenting there are resources out there that tell parents what to look for do you do you have a moment to throw a few of those out yes absolutely um we will have some great resources under the parenting tab of our mississippi thrive website so that's mississippi thrive.com and it's the word spelled out Mississippi. Um, so that's one place you can go to look, but also there are some incredible resources across our country. Um, there's one called zero to three and it's the word zero to three, um, spelled out. Um, and you can Google that and get to their website, but they have some amazing, very, very rich resources available to parents. Um, Vroom actually is a very cool resource we've talked about before on the show, V-R-O-O-M. It's a free app that you can download to help um, understand connecting with your child just in regular everyday activities and learn a little bit more about why these certain activities that are being recommended are helpful in that stage of development. That's great. Thank you so much, Lauren, for calling. And, and again, thank you for all your work that you have done for us. I, I really, really do uh, appreciate everything that you've done to help the state with. I'd, I hope, listeners, that you will go to the MississippiThrive.com website and take a look. There's some great resources. And even after this grant is over, we will have that website that will live on. It'll be managed by the Social Science Research Center at Mississippi State. And we're really excited about that and um, supported by DHS. So um, I Please think about that. All right, Lauren, we have another caller, Philip in Madison, Great. that I'd like to get to. Um, hi, Philip. Hey, how are you? Good. Thanks for calling. Tell us what your thoughts are. Okay. Uh, well, I'm enjoying the conversation. Thank you. And, uh, one, one of the uh, gentlemen uh, was on the uh, he was on the air with you, and he was talking about. Uh, the upbringing, and I've been, I've been one. First of all, I'm a preacher's son. Uh, my dad was uh, Pentecostal. Uh, there were certain do's and don'ts. I had to live for the people. I had to live for my parents, and for a long time, I faulted my parents for my upbringing because of the way they was brought up. Mm-hmm. But as life went on, as life went on, I went on. I 
that as a foundation. Mm-hmm. I took it as a foundation, and it made me a stronger and better person. Most parents, when they bring their children up, uh, their upbringing, they say, "Yeah, uh, when I get me a family, I'm not going to have my. Fa- I'm not going to bring my family up like this. My family is not going to suffer." Mm-hmm. When you teaching your child, the Bible says, "Train up your child in the way they should go." You know, and that training won't leave them. But who is in our direction? But our mind and our emotion. We go, and we go down this road, we go down that road, and then all of a sudden, we run into things that we don't want to run into. Mm-hmm. And I took that as a positiveness in my life to make me a better person. Mm-hmm. And I can, and I can be a light to other people to the point where... Uh-oh. Philip, I'm sorry. It seems like you've gotten cut off. But but I think that's a great message and, and something that that we need to remember is to take what we were given and then to move forward with it in a positive way. Okay. So in the last couple of minutes, what I'd like to do is um, to just talk to us about how to unlearn that toxic childhood to move forward like several of our callers have talked about and to how to use what what we were given um, for the betterment. So whether it's, you know, getting through a dysfunctional family or recovering from some terrible toxic stress, let's talk about the things you can do. Pay attention to what you're telling yourself every single day. Um, label things. Make sure that you, ta- you do positive self-talk. You let yourself know what you can do and, th- and that you can be successful. Um. Make sure that you, whatever story, whatever history happened, that you don't allow yourself to relive it over and over again. You tell yourself that that happened and that it's done and you are moving forward. Um, so make sure that that you allow yourself to move forward and you don't limit yourself because you think you are limited by your past. Okay. If there's some lessons that you had that that are there, if there's something that you remember, a couple of people have mentioned how this happened and they weren't going to allow that to happen. Um, come up with a plan. Say what you're going to do. Make sure that that you don't just say, I had a tough life and so my life is going to be bad. Put it in a positive and you can make a big difference. Okay, thanks everybody for a great call. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and the funding provided in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and, of course, support from you listeners. If you'd like to hear this show again or any past podcast, you can listen to the podcast on your favorite podcast app by searching Southern Remedy, Relatively Speaking. This show... Um, was engineered and produced by Jay White. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Our call screener was the wonderful Charles Arnold, and I hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 
To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.